On today's show, we're going to talk Cavs-Lakers, we're going to talk Cavs-Raptors, and we are going to talk about what to look for this week. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can get a bonus for Spiesman of $200. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com backslash locked in NBA and use code all arcades locked in NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Demerol. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. As always, today's show. Pretty straightforward. Cavs, Lakers, LeBron in Cleveland segment one. We're going to talk about Max Struess, Tristan Thompson, and the Cavs' pretty resilient win over the Toronto Raptors in segment two. And in segment three, what we are going to look for this week, three Cavs games on the docket over the next week. You have two home games, Atlanta on Tuesday, Portland on Thursday, and then they're in Detroit on a Saturday evening. Of the schedule TBD based on how, say, Tuesday goes for the Cavs. Yes. So, some scrambling around. We'll have more games to talk about next week and the in season tournament. We'll see where things go, but those are the three we know. But, Evan, to start with Cavs, to start with Cavs Lakers, there's a lot we could say about LeBron. I think let's just get this out of the way like a minute apiece. I think, like, look, understandably, I know people, I know this, it can be like frustrating for people. Not everyone is the biggest LeBron fan. I can understand, though. I, Personally, I'm just in awe of that man every time I see him do stuff. He was unreal in this game, and he puts on a show every time he comes back. The tribute video they did for him breaking the scoring record was great. The whole energy about him being back in the city was great. And he was pretty darn incredible in this game. And I just, you, I, he, you're not going to get that many more chances to see him in that play in that arena. That, that was a moment that I'm not going to forget. So we talked about people getting frustrated. My wife is one of those hate, hating uh, haters. I almost said the word I usually say that goes in between hating and haters. But um, more than that, like, she's just like, I don't get it. Like, why don't people just move on? Because he clearly did. But like you said, like, I'm in awe of him. And I've always maintained the stance. Like, ever since Kobe died, like, I appreciate greatness whenever I get to see it. I'm so spoiled as a fan of basketball or just like a fan of sports in general. I get to watch so many athletes at their physical peak and just do so many dominant things. And like. JB Bickerstaff, I asked him about this, like leading up to the game. Like, are you surprised LeBron's still doing just what he's doing at like 38 years old and like showing kind of no signs of slowing down? But like you said, like there is going to come a point where like this, this comes to an end. And he's just like, you know, I was surprised at 36. I was surprised at 34. And he's like, after 36, I kind of stopped being surprised. And I think that's just testament to how much LeBron invests himself physically to make sure he maximizes uh, taking care of his body right and eating the right things and doing everything else. But like you said, like he put on a show. Uh, I think he just never fails to disappoint whenever he comes to Cleveland. And um, this is kind of uh, just like, I don't I don't want to say like a recurring theme because the Cavs went 2-0 against the Lakers last year. But like kind of a bit of a gut check for Cleveland where like the moment got a little big and um, LeBron certainly took advantage of it and never relented. I think a couple of things they struggled with in this game is I think that the, the moment to me is probably part of it to some degree, but I think one of the things for me that, that maybe stood out even a little bit more is just, I, th- things just never 
quite ever felt in sync. And whether that's the moment, whether that's the way the Lakers played them, I mean, the Cavs in the first instance of this game got trapped and committed the turnover. Like, it, it didn't start well. It never really felt mm-hmm. great in any way. But then late in the game, you know, Donovan Mitchell is cramping up as he comes back from this hamstring injury. Darius Garland leaves this game, although he did play Sunday and look good um, with the neck issue. And just nothing ever quite felt right if in, for Cleveland in this game. The Lakers just had answers for a lot of stuff. The Cavs had issues with Austin Reeves in the inverted pick and roll. They had issues with LeBron. Evan Mobley, I think, had some real struggle moments defending LeBron one-on-one, which, you know, understandable. It's LeBron, and he's been amazing this year. He has the, Evan, I don't know if you've seen this. He has the best, I'm going to double check myself. I think he has the best field goal percentage he's had in a season since his last year in Miami right now, which is insane. I'm pretty sure that's the number. That that he's is really insane. Um, he's in year twenty one. Yeah, he's shooting fifty five point nine percent from the field. The la- the best the last time he was that high was fifty six point seven. That was in twenty thirteen fourteen. His last year in Miami at age twenty nine. He is now doing that at age thirty nine. Yeah, that, nuts. that that's just, that's nuts. He's, he's he's dominant. Like he is pure unadulterated unfiltered power and strength like he is a one of one i think we can just go off the list of accolades um to your point though the lakers like they they cranked up the intensity quite a bit anthony davis was flat out dominant in this game and i thought like there are moments when jared allen and Devin mobley defended him pretty well in some possessions especially in the first half but jb said post game like hey those two did play well defensively but like team wise they did not play great defensively they gave up 70 paint points in this game to the lakers they gave up 70 points in the first half alone to the lakers and the Cavs are barely holding on to a one-point lead and um whether it's lebron james stuff or it's malibu uh manu coming off the bench for them that's my nickname for austin reeves now but like the lakers are clicking really well and like i was bullish on them heading into the season and I, i still feel pretty firm on that conviction but um. Yeah, like the, the Cavs are certainly outclassed and I think out talented in this one. And the, the Lakers just kind of hit the right pressure points to really make the Cavs uncomfortable. And uh, they 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 certainly felt like they were lethargic and kind of going through the motions at times too. Where like they couldn't kind of find that spark. Like you said, it was like a weird game, and it's kind of been a common thing for some of these home games for the Cavs. Where like maybe the Knicks stole their mojo last postseason, and the Cavs are still kind of searching for it, but. Like the Cavs do not have that home court advantage that they had last year, and they have to start maybe digging a deep bit deeper to refine some of that grit and tenacity that worked for them last year, especially in games that are like big like this and where emotions are so high. Two numbers that I think are to me kind of tell a little bit of a story about this. Number one, Cavs offensive rating one hundred seven point five. That was despite having that. That's not good for context. That's well below league average. That's despite having a, a half-court offensive rating of 101.1, which is good. That was above average. The Cleveland's been really good in transition this year. That was absolutely stifled in this game. So that was just absolutely a problem. And then secondly, at the rim, uh, 61.9%, 5% difference between them and the Lakers. And this was a game where neither team shot well from 3, 32.1% from Cleveland, 33 percent for the Lakers both on 20 percent of their shots so just like a kind of an ugly game all around to some degree but Cleveland just a little bit worse on the edges and I Evan I think the part of this that kind of has to me gone away after the Sunday game which we'll get to next is that this felt like a game where you were going to start to see the Cavs get closer to healthy right Darius Garland is back Donovan Mitchell is back you know Dean Wade is still out Isaac, Isaac Okoro, Okoro makes his back. return yes I should have led with that that's like that's that's my island 
they're getting a little like, in this game we're supposed to feel like a little bit closer to healthy and then Garland leaves and it just didn't quite feel right so they're still building towards something but it we're st- mm-hmm. it's this was oh we're still waiting for this to actually kind of all the way come together like the most common theme of the Cavs to start the season is one man goes out another man comes in another man comes in another man goes out like it's just that constant revolving door with injuries that it's been really hard for the Cavs to kind of fully put together what they should or shouldn't be as a team. And JB Bickerstaff did say like he will do a deep analysis about 20 games into the season on how this team is performing and kind of making those alterations in weeks. But um, yeah, at least in this game against the Lakers and you can, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but it certainly felt like offensively, at least the wind went out of Cleveland sales entirely when Darius Garland was uh, pulled out about midway into the second corner then like didn't come back for the remainder of the game because like you said they were good and they were effective in the half court but like donovan mitchell still isn't 100 he was cramping up at the end of the game he's still trying to play himself back into shape isaac okoro wasn't fully available and the problem is uh nobody else on the roster has the vision or playmaking ability garland does to get them involved and i think karis levert was the leading assist man against the lakers in this game and like which is fine but i that's not like a full sale wholesale recipe for success um just when like Craig Porter Jr. is playing great and can step up for you in like crunch minutes like he did in most of these games for Cleveland. But it just felt like the offense kind of fell apart once again without Garland out there just to kind of set the tone for everybody else or kind of get things rolling for everybody else. All right, coming up next, Cleveland got back on track on Sunday. Max Struess in particular had, a, had himself a game. We'll talk about Struess, talk about Cavs Raptors up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest DFS platform in North America. That's daily fantasy sports. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It is just you versus the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six stat projections and watch those winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can outpick combo projections across football and basketball from their specials league. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For instance, you could go LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. PrizePix also offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. That's for football and basketball games. Someone gets injured in the first half and does not return for the second. That player is rebooted. Right now, go to prizepix.com backslash LockedInNBA and use code LockedInNBA for your first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepix.com backslash LockedInNBA, code LockedInNBA for your first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, we're back here. Let's talk about Cavs Raptors. Evan, let's start with Max Struess, who was the spearhead of what really worked in this game. If you go through what worked, what didn't, he is scoreless in the first mm-hmm. half, and then he comes out in the in the third quarter, had a twenty point third quarter on eight of ten shooting, four of four from three, had four boards as well. No other Cavalier during that quarter had more than four points for Cleveland. Struess was awesome, and I think as a team, considering the the way the first half ended, it they were outscored twenty four to seventeen in the second quarter. Struess spearheading it, but I thought a pretty resilient Cavs second half performance. You come back, win this game, and get out with a one hundred five one hundred two win. 
So for context, like you said, Max Struess didn't make his immediate impact till the third quarter. But like for the first half, the Cavs like were getting taken to task by Toronto. Like the Raptors were kind of getting a lot of wheeling looks and like Jared Allen was dealing with foul issues. And I think that kind of certainly changed the uh, landscape for Cleveland overall. But like it just felt like the Cavs were certainly coming off the second game of a back to back and dealing with the physical, maybe mental exhaustion that came with that game. The Lakers uh, just one night prior. And but like Struess comes out in the third quarter and gives the Cavs a little bit of the grit they need, whether it's his first play being the dunk or the fact that he had that block on Malachi Flynn or he forced Scotty Barnes to turn over the ball by forcing him to pick it up or, you know, he went bombs away from three point range like he gave the Cavs a spark. And I think that's just something that they needed tonight. And credit or credits do like Max Struess has just played really well for the Cavs. Like we say this every time we talk about Max Struess, but like he was a bit of a catalyst for the team in the second half and gave them that spark and just kind of that lifeline that they needed. And then like Tristan Thompson certainly played very well in the second half too, especially when he only was like, he had like, was like plus 10 and like two minutes of action just because of how hard he was playing out there. But you, when you have dudes like that, that are playing their tails off or like just trying really hard on either end of the floor, whether it's Struess or Thompson, like it does have a trickle down effect and you notice it, especially like towards the end of the third quarter, the beginning of the fourth, like there was a sequence where I believe it was, I want to say Niang, Struess, Levert, then Garland all hit a three-pointer on four mm-hmm. consecutive offensive possessions for Cleveland. Like, Struess blew the lid open for the Cavs, created some spacing for them, but also I just think kind of shot the Cavs, at least the rest of the roster, back into life and uh, seized the momentum against Toronto where the, the Raptors were certainly doing whatever they felt like to start of the game. I, I think for Cleveland, this is the kind of win that, and I've said, I've said this, I've had this take coming off of the road trip. This take could be proven wrong because maybe they lose to Atlanta on Tuesday or win that game and then, you know, play bad against a bad Portland team on Thursday or something. It's it's possible. But this is one of those wins and the way they did it in terms of effort, in terms of grit, in terms of just how it looked and felt more than than kind of what they did or what the numbers say. Like, the, this wasn't a game where you look at the numbers and say, oh, Cleveland played well. They had an offensive rating of 106.1. They had a really good defensive performance, but a pretty eh offensive performance in terms of how efficient they were scoring. They shot well at the rim. Again, we're poor from three, 32.3% from three in this game. Like Donovan we, Mitchell was non-existent. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell, I think that hamstring is just bothering him like it just is I, I think that and og ananobi is a guy who's like kind sure. of had his number all throughout their his career yeah i mean if there's a if there's a kind of guy you want to have defend mitchell it's a big wing who can cut off his attacks and can hang with him athletically and that that's og for sure but they did enough right like their the Cavs transition stats where they were bad against the lakers uh they were scoring at an off at a rate of 153.8 in transition in this game that's Amazing. They were great off of steals, converted those, converted well off of live rebounds as well. They did the stuff that they needed to do to overcome a pretty sloggy half-court offense. And then they they got just enough in the right spots, right? Like Tristan Thompson has four offensive rebounds in his first four minutes. Just PTSD for the Raptors franchise as a whole, <laughs> going back to the playoffs. Darius Garland late the in this Bulls game. Too. Yes. Darius Garland gets that role. He gets he drives in and the ball just hangs around the rim and floats and hangs up there and it slides in. And you you just got these little breaks where you're okay, you did enough. You came back really well in the third, led by Struess, and you got a win. That you're gonna have wins like this, you need wins like this, but it felt to me, Evan, like a win that should just 
just it just showed me something of a little bit of resilience in this group in a way that was that was really positive. I I agree. I think the resilience and the grit was certainly there. Uh, just the fun. One more positive thing about Max Struess. He did match Toronto point for point in the third quarter. Like he had twenty. Toronto had twenty. Like, and the Cavs needed all clearly all twenty of those points to climb back into this game. But yeah, he he was the momentum shifter in the tone setter uh, in the second half for Cleveland and. It's just crazy to think like it, I always joke like, oh, there's always going to be that Miami Heat guy that like falls off and Struce isn't one of those dudes clearly, but like he is bringing the Cavs a little bit of something different that uh, they maybe had at times last season and they're still searching for now, but like he is bringing them that grit and tenacity most nights because like even if it's a competitive loss, like Max Struce has stepped up and has been an impactful player, even if his shot's not falling, but like. He, when we talk about a lot of these wins for the Cavs, like he is usually kind of a figurehead behind why the Cavs were able to pull out a victory in most nights. I am curious to see where this kind of builds. Um, the, the last thing I, I, have, I just to, just because I think it can can it lead to something? And, and look, some of this is going to be health dependent. I mean, you still don't have Dean Wade. You still Mitchell. I think that hamstring is not well, quite right let yet. Me, ask you this even if dean wade was available would he play with craig porter jr kind of leapfrogging him minutes well, craig, wise in the rotation in my eyes craig porter didn't play in this game notably yeah for what that's worth i i just i don't even mean Cavs that Dean Wade's, about eight deep yeah. in the eight like nine yeah. deep in this game yeah thompson played all of his mid second half uh played only eight so like, did, would would Dean Wade for sure play? I think the answers the answers no. I think him not scoring. I think some of the rebounding miscues you've seen with him are concerning. But I think just having all of your bodies healthy would just be good. Fair enough. Like this team just needs, particularly when you enter the year, you don't you only have fourteen guys on the roster, and then Rubio's away from the team, so you have thirteen guys on your actual roster. Craig Porter has filled in admirably and awesome, and I you know he should get a real contract at some point. I would think, but. You're, mm-hmm. You have a very banged up roster and you're playing your starters. Mobley played 38. Allen was in foul trouble for a little bit. He only played 27 and then Tristan played well. Garland played 41. Mitchell played 34 and then Struess played 37. Yang played 23 off the bench. Okor only got 10 in this game. Ovlert played 22 and he's had his own injury issues as well. So like, I just think health is probably the, the biggest thing. If they can just get somewhere, that's going to be more important than anything else. But the effort, the grit, and then some of the the big to big passing. If like that's the thing we saw over these two games, that's going to keep building. You're starting to see some things get introduced here that I think feel like you could actually build on them and, and get in the rhythm. Yeah, but before the things went sideways for the Cavs, there was a brief moment where to go back to the Lakers game that Evan Mill threw a lob pass to Jared Allen, like the closing moments of the game, and I'm like. Oh, that's a momentum shifter. Also, like to have the audacity to throw that flashy of a pass between two bigs, like one crystallizes how that's evolving. But like, yeah, we saw it again against Toronto tonight as well. But like, it's a fun wrinkle that is constantly evolving and developing for this Cavs team. Coming up next, what to watch for this week? Cleveland has three games. Let's talk about what we're looking for in terms of most anticipated game and basketball thing we most want to see. I'll give you a hint for mine. I already said it. We'll talk about it up next. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in 
on that action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel official partner of the NFL, and that's the official sportsbook of LockedOn. They have NBA odds, props, all of that stuff as well if you're interested in that. They don't have a lineup yet, but if you're interested, they'll have Cavs-Hawks lines ahead of Tuesday. So again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. Evan, three games. Hawks, uh, Trailblazers, Pistons. What's the what's the one you're most excited for? Uh, probably the Hawks one, just because there is a lot of intrigue um, when it comes to the in season tournament. And uh, John, Michael, and Brad Doherty. I, I watched this game from home. Uh, it's the hat, but also Brad Doherty and John Michael were talking about it. Like essentially, the Cavs have to win this game, and a lot of things else have to go their way in order just to kind of easily clinch it. Or they have a boat race win against uh, Atlanta, which a team that, you know, kind of interestingly does match up with Cleveland pretty well. Um, And I want to see for the in-season tournament aspect and also just like, how do the Cavs shake up against a team that is in a similar spot in terms of like making the power move last offseason comparatively to like maybe what the Cavs are kind of still figuring out about themselves. The Hawks game is is the only answer. All due respect to Portland, well, who's bad. Say no, like, this is no, this if, is the answer. If if, if you if, try to argue if, the Pistons game, what's the if? no? Here we no, go. No, 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 no. If Scoot plays on Thursday, it'll be fun for me at least because because I, I he, like Scoot Henderson. I like Scoot, but he's not been good. He's back, but he's not been good. And well, that you know what? When awful. Chauncey Billups plays like an early two thousand style of basketball, it's not going to make anyone look good. <laughs> Yeah, but they're just. You got a sicko wish. Is- no one shoots threes on that team. They only shoot mid range jumpers or get bad shots at the basket. Scoot Henderson stats this year 7.8 points per game, 32.2% from the field. He also had surgery on his hand, guys. I know, but he's. But Evan, he's playing bad. There's no other argument. There's no game. I don't care if. Unless Scoot comes out and drops 50, this is the game. Atlanta on the year has the second best offense in the league. They're 121.2. The only team better is the Indiana Pacers who have an unreal offense, and we saw the Cavs struggle to defend that. We saw those two. They show no signs of slowing down. No, that team is awesome and really fun. Atlanta has an offense that is as close to Indiana statistically as we have in the entire league right now. Those two teams have a video video game matchup. Their defense is also pretty bad. They're they're 23rd in defense right now, 116.8 per possessions. They have a guard in Trey Young who the Cavs can attack and go at, and the, the the big matchup is always fun with this. Cleveland, like that game has the potential to just be really bizarre and fun. And it's a test for Cleveland in terms of their defense. Cleveland's defense on the year is back up to 11th to 113 uh, defensive rating right now. That's it's not quite where it was last year, but it's good. Their offense still pretty poor. It's at it's 24th in league right now. They're 23rd in net rating. The last two weeks, those numbers are, are better. But Cleveland is in, a, in this spot where they're progressing. I think they're getting a little bit better. But this is a game where... On top of the NBA Cup part of it, this is a really high-potent offense. The defense has to be locked in if they want any chance of winning this game, and they're going to have to be at their best. And if they get in a shootout, are they capable? of? If, if the game breaks that way, if Atlanta gets going and, and gets rolling and is scoring a bunch, does Cleveland, can Cleveland get into gear and, and get in a shootout to win the game? I, I want to see if that's possible. I don't think they're able to get into a shootout with Atlanta. Like I Quinn Snyder so can I'm skeptical. dial this thing up quite a bit to exploit the uh, 
starter issues Cleveland has defending. Like the, the Cavs struggled with threes this year. Like it's such a weird thing. Like especially it's just becoming so apparent in a lot of these games lately. But um, like to your point, like the, the Cavs have to dial it up on defense. They really have to clamp down on uh, just anyone on Atlanta's roster. But like you said, really like bully Trey Young and either get him in foul trouble so he can't kill you with his scoring ability. And also just like the fact that he's the worst defender in the league behind or in front of Damian Lillard, I'd say um, that like you just exploit that every chance you get. And maybe this is a way for Mitchell to find a bit of his groove again after he came up flat against the Lakers and struggled pretty mightily against the Raptors. Basketball wise, Evan, the thing for me this week that I most want to see is the continuing big to big action. Something we have mm-hmm. seen as an evolution of Cleveland's offense, I think particularly of late, and Jared Allen is playing amazing basketball right now, is whether it's Mobley in the short roll or Allen in the short roll, those guys are hitting each other with lobs. The One of them is sliding in from the dunker spot, and they're looking for it. It is something that is built into sets as an option. Atlanta can be a test for that, considering they have good centers and they have some forwards that, that have some good size. But this is something that is adding layers to the offense that is giving it some more functionality. It's giving Evan Mobley some structure in those spots on the floor. I think that is something to watch this week. And can they, on top of, can they just beat the two bad teams on their schedule and just take care of business in a way they should? This is one of the, that that's the encore basketball thing. And how does that big to big passing develop and kind of look over the next three games? I'm curious to see the big, the big passing and then how does it continue to evolve? And like you said, Atlanta will be an interesting test um, just because of like Unkongwu or Pella or even just some of the big orbs they can throw at them as well. Like I know there's going to be no Jalen Johnson in this game, but like still like it could be an interesting matchup for how Cleveland can kind of poke and prod Atlanta's front line with their two big men who have shown a lot of on-court chemistry with each other. I, I know you may roll your eyes at this, but like Detroit at least has the bodies to do it, whether it's Duran or Stewart or Wiseman or Bagley. Like they have the bodies to at least test it. The Cavs can continue to practice it. And like you said, two bad teams that they can handle business against. Like I think those are also really good opportunities to maybe kind of practice these interesting wrinkles you have in your uh, arsenal instead of just like doing it against guys in scrimmages or in this case with the Cavs, probably like walkthroughs and film study. And it gives you just more tangible footage, data, and things like, oh, hey, this worked a little bit more. Maybe we'd make this slight adjustment. So, like, when the games are a little bit tighter, we're actually against any, you know, not the Pistons or the Blazers. Um, and I know the Wizards are coming soon for the Cavs. Like, like the teams like that, like, you can try some of this goofier stuff, especially if you don't let the game get out of hand because this is the NBA. Like, you never know anything. Anything is possible, as one Kevin Garnett said once. But uh, for me, what I'm looking at is I, I just real quick. I like they use the Kevin Garnett phrase about him winning a championship to apply to the idea that the Detroit Pistons might be able to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's just that's art, my friend. I love that. You know what? It's like as George Lucas says, it's like po- poetry. It rhymes and stuff like that. Um, talking about episode one, nonetheless. Um, for me, it's just like can the Cavs kind of establish a regular offensive rhythm? I think the big the big passing is part of it, but we saw a lot of success. And granted, a lot of it came when Donovan Mitchell was out for the Cavs. But when they were attacking downhill and applying constant rim pressure, whether it was through Garland or even Struess at times, but especially Mobley and Allen, um, like the the defenses have to read and react to that. They obviously have to adjust and defend the rim and defend the paint. But that gave us plenty of opportunities for guys like Karis LeVert, Darius Garland, Max Struess, George Niang, even Craig Porter Jr. Sometimes when he feels like taking a three. 
And then Donovan Mitchell as well, who can benefit from the downhill pressure and also like the more wide open three point attempts too. like, can the Cavs kind of just build a cadence and rhythm offensively so they don't feel so herky jerk at times or maybe come out lifeless where at least the Lakers ride it really well. Like they try to do a, I think they try to do the big to big or at least a pick and roll type play where the Cavs try to apply pressure right away and the Lakers ride it well. Like how can the Cavs read and react to that? So like they're not so one note and easy to prepare for all while trying to build that offensive rhythm and cadence that clearly is successful for just, you know, working for this Cavs team so far. We're going to end there. Back tomorrow, I'm going to be talking with Brad Rowan of Lockdown Hawks, previewing Cavs Hawks, talking in-season tournament, and just talking with our guy Brad. So we'll talk to you then. Back then, Evan, I'll be back after Cavs Hawks with a recap in your feeds Wednesday morning for that as well. I'm Chris. That's Evan. Thanks again to Jake Seams as always. And scoot, you scoot truthers out there, not be silenced. Evan, I love Scoot Henderson, but the fact that you're trying to argue that that game is potentially more compelling for a guy who's not playing well is wild. And I love you, but that's wild. I just like watching fun rookies, and I hate Chauncey Phillips as a head coach. That's like, all fair. I, I, He's I an awful head coach. For, I feel bad for Oregon State fans, but like I was on the CFP subreddit because, you know, Black Monday's coming, so a lot of coaches are going to lose their job. Yeah, Joe, Joe Moorhead. Moorhead is one of them. Fingers crossed. Um, more so, and they just don't bring in like another Tom Arth situation because I'll just uh, I gave Chris my thoughts last night. They need to relegate the football program at the Akron University That's of right. Akron. But um, they're joking about how Michigan State took Oregon State's coach, and Oregon State is essentially dead in the water because like the Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. And somebody's like, Michigan State should take their coach with them too. And somebody's like, I thought they meant Chauncey at first. And I snorted out loud. And then everyone's like, dude, I hate Chauncey Billups. I'm like, I'm glad other people feel the same way. Not great. And then Chauncey's going to hear this and he'll see me Thursday. Like, yo, you talking crap? And I'm going to get locker checked uh, in a different timeline. President of basketball operations for Cavaliers, Chauncey Billups. Uh, 0% chance that that happens. And another timeline, perhaps. Yes. Talk you to have y'all a full later. head of hair. I'm bald. And you have a beard. We're working on it, you know. You're on the right side of the show, and I'm on the left. I recruit you. See, these are, these are, the, these are the many universes we're unraveling on Locked on Cavs. See you until next time. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta go to bed. Talk to y'all next time. <laughs>